Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Podcast, episode 140. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato-meter-approved Eric Marchin. Matt, we made it to another year's end, a best-of episode. We're the Blue Boys. Uh, We just recorded our Avatar The Way of Water review. Uh, Still technically under embargo, I think, for another couple hours. Uh, so you can read our tweet thoughts about it, our social media, um, uh, yeah. sentiments on it, which mm-hmm. spoiler alert, we were, um, a little bit, uh, underwhelmed by it, but we'll get more into detail and very In specific, uh, with the tech, uh, on, on that. So. Yeah. Tech focused review. Yeah. Um, we have strong thoughts on high frame rate. Uh, surprise, surprise. So, uh, please go check that out. If you're listening to this right away, uh, that'll be available. I think it's at 12 Eastern or 12.30 Eastern. Um, You guys can check out our avatar, The Way of Water review. Uh, But today, Eric, we're doing our annual best films of the year. This is always kind of my favorite time. I can't believe 2022 is over for one um, or almost over. I love these. I love these episodes where we kind of look back at the year. Uh, Each of us bring uh our best films of the year however we wanted to put together that list um i mean spoilers you can go on our letterbox and see them in actual rankings and stuff like that i like to put mine in alphabetical order um much like you know you see the barack obama best of lists and and things like that um last year we spoofed that this year i did kind of a different format you can check out all the lists on on our social medias and different things like that. But this will be a conversation of our favorite films of the year. Um, we've reviewed a lot of them. Some of them we didn't review for certain reasons. Uh, and we'll talk about them here um, in detail. And then uh, next week, you guys can come back. And my favorite episode is our, our most anticipated uh, of the next year. Uh, so we'll do our 23 most anticipated films of 2023 uh, next 23 week and, and we'll, me and we'll also look back also one of my favorite things is looking back at the last year's most anticipated list and seeing uh did all of those movies live up to that hype because i feel like every year we have one or two where we're like that did not pan out how we wanted it to yeah <laughs> so, what's the motherless uh, brooklyn of of yeah 2022 yeah so i'm excited to kind of look back uh but today uh or look forward and look back but today we are looking back at 2022 uh eric how you doing i'm good matt uh i have to confess that i haven't completely put together my oh, final my best bad. of list we can so okay. this is we can scrap to... this if you want no we, we we've committed You're to doing it bit. live baby we're doing it live um, so um you know normally what i do when it comes to my letterbox stuff is i kind of do tiers so it's kind of you know there, there is one yeah. movie that is my number one and yeah you rank obvious, them but they're kind of in groupings and then at the end of yeah. the year you sort of actually well do i do like an alphabetical like, list normally. that's what I'm, i i did too you yeah. know out of 15 films i'll rank them alphabetically there is one that is my number one pick but which alphabetically it might be at the top anyway so yeah it is Um, (laughs) uh so so perfect um but yeah it's it's one of those things where like there's still some stuff i would like to also even catch up on that i haven't had a chance to see same kind of smaller movies that um there's a film called playground that i really wanted to check out um there's a couple things from kino lorber that i still haven't had a chance to to watch yet and you know 
things can change, but, but as of now, you know, I, I think there is a good solid 15 movies that I could select off of that list. And even more than that, um, overall, I think it was a pretty good year for films and like, even, you know, um, and I guess this is a plug for it in a way, uh, you know, logging movies on uh, my Rotten Tomatoes uh, account and going back through the rest of the year. A big thank you to to you, Matt, for for helping me with that um, and kind of going through, you know, the, the Roger stuff and, and kind of looking at like what stood out and what didn't. I have to say it was, you know, a, a pretty solid year overall. Oh, yeah. Know? I had I struggled putting together a top. I have fourteen. I I didn't even specifically. I think it's because I couldn't fit fifteen onto the graphic that I was making without it being too squished. So I eliminated. What do we think about? Here's here's the spoiler of what the one is that I took off before I get into it. Petite Maman. I can't forget if I I I, I had it on forget. my list last year. So that's what I mean. It's like, did I? And then I'm like, so I took it off because but like, you can put it on this year. You as could, well you could because, because it technically got released in North America this year. Yes. So it was released in February, but it also was released the previous year for um, awards, awards contention for that one yeah. week, week run. So you do have movies this year uh, like Return to Soul and uh, One Fine uh, Day and or is it Morning? One Fine, one see, fine already, Morning. One Fine One fine Day is the George Clooney movie, which is terrible. Um, <laughs> one Fine Morning. So you have films like that that are – technically eligible but they won't be getting their theatrical release until february and march in canada um so that's all that's always been a weird gray zone when it comes to some of the international movies like even it all it's really your decision right yeah you you know like that movie could be every year now because it's on a a constant road show i think that's just these lists in general is just go by your own rules who cares like whatever you want to put on it you want to put a tv show on there like twin peaks or uh, you know, I might put Last of Us on my most anticipated next year. Could you year? imagine like, putting a TV show on your – I mean, I think one person did for the sight and sound list. They did put Twin Peaks The Return, but I think it was only one person. So You know, it's all – again, everything is subjective. There is no objective truth in except for science. Um, but like um, – <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to be objective. one of those an- – Yeah, I don't want to be an anti-science person. But I mean when it comes to art and opinion – Unless your um, name is anti-science. Aunt, sure. Aunt science. Uh, <laughs> my aunt science made me cookies. Um, I, I forget now I fucking forget what, what the hell I was even saying. Oh, subjectiveness. Yeah. Um, even when it comes to, you know, something like the white Lotus or all these things that are technically TV shows, but, um, it's all fucking, what's your favorite well, you know, Bo Burnham's inside, right? Like yeah, that's, that was us. It was our number one um, in 2020, right? Yeah. Um, for both of us. And what a great year! Um, <laughs> I mean, that movie, that movie rips, man. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, so I took Petite Maman off because I'm like, I feel like I put it on last year's list, but I don't remember. Um, and because I usually my rules are. Uh, I go by the like Oscar deadline kind of like awards rules. So like if it was released at all last year, even if it was for one week in December, I usually go by, was it eligible for this year's awards or Oscars? Um, And I go by those rules when it comes to release date. Um, And then when it comes to 
you know, what we just said, it's mostly subjective. Like there was the year I put Watchmen. Um, I put Twin Peaks, I think, on best films of the year, um, things like that. So, I mean, it's just you sometimes you want to spice things up and you throw in that thing to kind of go, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a stance uh, or, or have a stance on that. So, it's a topic uh, of conversation. This year, I did not put any TV shows on my best films of the year. I did separate them. But I'll put out a separate graphic for best TV shows, and maybe we'll do a small section. Wow, I'm kind of surprised that the rehearsal didn't make it on. uh, Is it on yours? No. Yeah, it's it's the one thing where I would kind of be like that is blurring the lines. Yeah, I mean, even the rehearsal and or like like the rehearsal and or White Lotus, I love. Like, there's there was almost too much good TV this year for me personally, where. I couldn't pick that one thing that I'm like, oh, I need to champion this and put it in my best films list. It's like, oh, we're getting to that point where I'm like, I've watched enough TV this year, which really slowed down on my watching movies at home where I could be like, oh, this miniseries or this show was fantastic. So I might do a whole separate thing on that. But um, yeah, overall, I'm with you. And we kind of brought this up on a recent episode as well of... um, you know, was this year front loaded? Was it a great year for movies? I I think it was a banger year for movies. I do think it was a little front loaded, but then it, it was pretty consistent that we got, I think it was a great, not a great year for like blockbusters, I guess, or maybe like franchise filmmaking. Cause Top Gun, I know, shut up. I know Top Gun. (laughs) Um, like, you know what I mean by like franchise filmmaking? Like I feel like the MCU movies didn't really hit this year uh, for someone who is a, a huge, you know, MCU dork and, and, and stuff like that. Like you got to think Dr. Strange, Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, were those the only two? What am I even forgetting? Black Panther, Wakanda. Black Panther. Oh, Black Panther's great. Um, but again, I don't have Black Panther on on my list. Like I thought I, I did like black Panther quite a bit, but I, I, I feel like franchise filmmaking this year, franchise fatigue, looking, maybe a little bit, I think maybe, but then I feel like that left it open for a lot of great other stuff, which is always a, a good thing. So I'm kind of with you. I, I do think it was a little front loaded, but um, overall I think it was a pretty great year for movies. Yeah. I almost rather have it be front loaded. I mean, Ultimately, what you want, and it's never going to happen, is to have it spread out throughout the entire year. But at least if it's front-loaded, you have more time to catch up with these things from the first half and the first six months of the year. Like, if something gets released in you know, February or March, you know, something like everything, everywhere, all at once, it's going to be a slow rollout. So, you know, people are going to be talking about it, but it's still going to be a film that maybe isn't playing you know in wide release until the end of march into april and you know even past then if you felt uncomfortable not wanting to go back to the movie theaters you know quite yet you know it 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 still was there and then eventually when it made its way onto you know itunes and 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 streaming services and it was available on 4k and and blu-ray on physical media so it gives a movie like that 
time to really become a part of the conversation and to catch on and for people to see it. It's the same thing with RRR, you know, these two maximalist movies that, you know, I guess RRR would kind of be considered more of a blockbuster in terms of its budget than everything everywhere all at once. But it allows those movies a little bit more time to grow and, 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 and get that appreciation it needs, where if you were to release everything everywhere all at once, you know, in November or December, I think, you know, the response to it would eventually pick up, but maybe it wouldn't be an awards contender the way it is now because it's had some time to really, you know, stew and, and allow people to just, you know, enjoy it and watch it more than once and, and, and have conversations like we've been having, you know, all year about it. So, you know, like watching something in the early part of the year and having it stay with you is a testament to the quality of the filmmaking. You know, again, whether it be something like everything everywhere all at once, or even turning red and, and, and even going into, you know, the, the, the earlier parts of the summer, like something like Nope is a movie that, you know, I weirdly think even though it's a, it's a studio film, you know, Jordan Peele is at the height of his powers. I kind of feel it's an underrated movie uh, in terms of, you know, it being an original film, but also kind of taking the elements that we're familiar with, with, you know, it is the best Spielberg movie of this year and, and taking those elements and kind of playing with them. And, you know, as we got closer to the fall festival season, which, you know, both Matt and I are so grateful for because we're able to see things, you know, much earlier and, and, you know, a lot of people now, you know, considering, you know, that we're both critics choice members, we're still catching up with. And, and, you know, we had a chance to see, you know, the, the glass onions and the women talking and, you know, the after suns, you know, in, in advance in September, let, right. In August, even. Yeah. Yeah. To give them time, because I, I do feel there are some movie, you, you, you don't go into a film, and you don't watch a movie like you can with some movies, like some movies, you will have a, 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 an instant reaction once the film is done. But I do think there are some movies that demand, you know, rumination and to demand, you know, you to take your time to think about it and to understand what it's doing and whether or not it's challenging you in an interesting way or if it's, you know, perspective is something you haven't seen before. And sometimes a movie needs that in order to you know, be considered the best of. I mean, there might be a movie that we saw this year that we both really liked that if we were to revisit one of our best of lists, you know, whether it be this year or years before that we would go back to it and be like, oh man, I can't believe this movie's not on the list or- That happens know. all the time, man, yeah. for me personally. Like I look back at my other best of years and I see how my perspective or opinions change. Like what uh, stands the test of time or what- lingers in my brain three years down the line or four years down the line, right? What have I wanted to go back and revisit or not necessarily even revisit, but what have I, what has stayed with me? What has become, you know, more important to me? And like, I, even this list that I'm going to give you, and that's usually when we would rank it from, you know, up to number one of the year or whatever. But um, for the most part, I see that shifting all the time when I look back years later or something that really landed with me in the moment and then faded um, later. And I go, okay, maybe that was the experience of seeing it at that moment or things like that. And that's nothing wrong with that either. That means you enjoyed the movie at that moment, but it's just interesting of what movies, you know, it even goes with Oscar winners or, you know, these awards and things like that, or things that don't win awards. Like what 
years down the line or what movies are people going to remember or revisit and, and things like that. So it's not just us, I think as a collective, um, people, um, you see what movies do that too, right? Where, you know, even classics that get reevaluated down the line that didn't get good receptions when they came out or got tepid receptions when they came out or great receptions when they came out. And then as the years go by, you go, does anyone care about the artist? <laughs> I know it got good reviews and one best picture, but like, has anyone watched that movie since the year it came out? Like, I, I don't know if people have or talked wa- about it. Yeah. Like s- things like that. And I'm not just trying to shit on the artist, but like there are those movies then that got middling reviews, but throughout time they, you know, become favorites and the thing is one of those, I think. Right. And yeah, like, well, I mean, um, when it was released, both critics and, and audiences hated it partly because it was released a, a couple weeks after ET, but then also, yeah. Um, you know, like it, it, it was a, a much darker, visceral, grosser movie than people were expecting or could handle at the time. And, you know, Carpenter got to make the movie he wanted to, but I think also because of it being such a failure, failure, it made him more wary of the industry as a whole, because you can tell with watching a movie like the thing, he put his heart and soul into that movie. And when somebody rejects you that way. When, you know, it's one thing to make a movie for work and things like that. But when you when you truly put your 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 life, what you feel represents you into something and yeah. it gets rejected, I can understand being standoffish in the future. And, you know, like that's kind of what happened with Carpenter. And, and that sometimes happens with filmmakers, especially when, you know, it's something that is coming directly from them and it's written by them and it's not only directed by them. And even though, you know the thing has become more than just a cult classic in the last 42 years or 40, 40 years, 40 years. Cause it's 82. Cause I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah. So 1982, 42, it's the 40th 40 anniversary of this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So over the 40 years, that sometimes doesn't work for the studio. You can't tell the studio, Oh, this will make its money back in 40 years or become a great thing in 40 years. You know, it's, it's instant gratification. Yeah, right? sure. You need, yeah, you yeah. need to, you know, make your money back in order to, get to make the next movie you know or or then you know you're kind of weirdly demoted in that way where it's like if you don't use all your resources your quota is is changed the following year um Mm -hmm. and this is all kind of like you know business side of things but 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 even when it comes to your your perspective on things there are things that i even watch and i don't like them when i see them and then i revisit them years later and i go either Cause I'm a little bit older or, you know, uh, things like that. Like I completely changed my tune on them. So there's always that too. So, yeah. Like there's a movie right now that I'm thinking of where like after watching it, I really liked it and, and we reviewed it and, and I'm liking it more. And I could only imagine maybe what the next watch would be like, but even listening to the film junk review of it afterwards, it's like, Oh man, I really want to watch this again is bones and all. And it's not going to yeah. be on my, um, my Same. best of list, but, but- I voted for it in, in a couple categories Same. for the Critics' Choice Awards, and I really do like the movie, and I have thought about it more than I was expecting to. Um, I agree. Uh, After Sun, yeah. another one for me, which I think when I came out of that, it was the first movie we screened for TIFF, and there's a lot of buildup in that moment, too, and maybe too much pressure on that first movie we see for the festival. Um, I was very medium on it, or I was very like, yeah, I, I I liked it, um, but I it didn't hit me until I kind of sat with it and thought about the movie 
more much like you were mentioning earlier eric of just like some movies you just kind of need a little bit and it's not that instant like did you like it right when you walk out of a theater and i hate that like if you if you know me like i'm one of those guys i don't want to talk about a movie like the only person i do that with is you because i feel like i'm comfortable enough with you where you can kind of we can kind of uh, figure out our thoughts on a movie as we talk to one another and not feel like we're trying to impress the other person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, There's no where, showboating. It's just an honest conversation between two yeah, friends. And then you're trying to go, oh, what did you think? What did you think? And you're kind of, you're going, you, I get your perspective on something. You get my perspective on something. And I'm, I'm kind of building how I feel about a movie when I feel like there's so much of this of like, people want to talk and maybe that's what people do with others. And I'm just not comfortable enough to do that. (laughs) But like I, and I'm not trying to impress other people, but I just, I don't like giving my opinion right after I get out of a movie It's just because I'm like, I, every movie I like to kind of sit on for a little bit or figure out how I feel. You might have an instant feeling whether you liked it or you did not like it, or you enjoyed yourself or you did not enjoy yourself. But like, I feel like to form fully form your thoughts and that can kind of um, transform or evolve as you kind of sit on it for a little bit, um, which is like some of these movies that are on this list throughout the year, either just stuck with me or I've wanted to go back and rewatch it. I flip back and forth between RRR and everything everywhere all at once after sun climbed up there and like all these different things. Um certain movies fade like the Fablemans um, or even the Batman to an extent, which still made my list. But like, I, I found myself going like, and maybe that's because it's three hours long and something like that of going like, and I did see it twice, like very closely back to back, but um, back a movie back. that, uh, a movie that I really, really loved at the time. And then, and can't wait for more in that universe. Probably my favorite superhero movie of the year and a full Um, experience too right like you're you're you know we talked about this with our avatar review where like yeah we we know we're getting more of matt reeves's batman and the batman universe but the story that's told is singular to you know the, the 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 structure and the world building within this version of gotham city so you're watching it and you're thinking to yourself it's it's very satisfying and i think again that's another movie that kind of helped you know being released early in the year not because it needed extra time to think about per se but it just you do appreciate when you get a really good movie early on because it kind of sustains you you know oh, yeah. we we love talking about movies good or bad or even middle of the road but there is something that gives you that little extra boost that push that kind of like oh this is all worth it and we're getting something that we can really you know love and appreciate throughout that the year now is everything everywhere all at once my favorite movie of the year now? No, but it was for the longest time. And one thing I am so grateful for is having that movie for so long and, so and, in and that loving it, you know? And I remember during that review, I said, if there's a movie that is better than this, this year, then it's a great year for movies. And that yeah. happened for you, right? So yep. like, and for me, Spoilers, I still think Everything Everywhere All at Once is my favorite film of the year. And we'll go over our full list. We're just kind of talking about the year as a whole. But like um I flip back and forth between um RRR, Top Gun Maverick, like those three movies, like just having those three movies and After Sun, to your point, Eric, very different than those other three. <laughs> but like to have movies on that 
like level. And then for me, even uh, something like Babylon, again, if you see there's a theme with the stuff that I, I, I really loved. This, uh, there's a theme with the stuff that I really loved this year, which is just bombastic, maximalist, in your face, shit, shit on your head movies. Um, <laughs> Elephant like, shit on your head. Yeah. But, um, but that goes to the theme, I think, of this year as well, where people were coming back to the theater, right? So you want, you know, we, we sometimes talk about this in a negative context, but you know, having the most doesn't necessarily mean the best, you know, having the but most sound it does, <laughs> but sometimes when you haven't had it for a while, and especially when you haven't had the experience in a movie theater, sitting with a group of people watching the same thing, but having different perspectives on it, that can be a celebration. So even something like a movie that you haven't even fully watched and I loathe Elvis, I understand why, people do really love it because there is something about like you're getting so much of it and sometimes you need that to that excess in order to enjoy because you know part of the theatrical experience is seeing something that you won't you can watch it at home but when you watch it at home is it going to have that same effect on you you Which know, Elvis and I think did not where no, I needed to, but, sit but I think RRR is, is a great example of this because, you know, we both saw RRR, whether it be on the Z5 app or on Netflix, and we both loved the movie, loved it. Watching then, it at home. Yeah. Yeah. But then you, you know, having watched it again at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. Transformative. It's, <laughs> yeah, yes. It's, no, it is. It, it was, absolutely is. Yeah. And so it that was, kind of uh, shows you the power of film. Yeah, I agree with you. It's corny. And like, and obviously us doing this show and you know how much the theatrical experience means to us. We talk about it enough. Um, Go listen to our avatar review. Um, Yeah, man. Like it really, RRR at Lightbox, it's a good kind of transition to that. Like, cause I don't think we've talked about it yet on this show. Right. I think Um, we have, I think we, at least did we do it last episode. Yeah. I forget. No, no, Um, no, no. Back when, when, Oh, we did talk about RRR. No, we, we gushed about RRR for sure. And when I watched it finally, cause you brought it up to me months before. And then I was like, Oh, I really do want to watch it. Just that three hour runtime is daunting. Also the year of movies just getting insanely longer and longer. (laughs) Like, um, my bladder can't take it anymore. I will scream from the rooftops with intermissions. And speaking of intermissions, you're fighting um, high frame rates and 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 intermissions. Yeah. Long movies. I'm fine with because like great movies are great movies. And, and if a movie is great, you want more of it. I want it to never end. Right. Like, and um, RRR is a perfect example of that, especially when you're watching with an audience that's feeding on that energy. And shout out to Peter Koplowski or whoever asked for the intermission version of the movie because bless them because we got an intermission and it made it made the movie even better, dude. Like it just that the audience feeding off of that movie and then you get to that two hour mark where they put the intermission um, and it's just at the perfect part where you're just fucking hyped up for that last act and it can make a movie better and then i can also go to the bathroom i can also get snacks and then you can have someone in the audience go holy shit right when the intermission (laughs) title card comes on and you're like yes this is that collective experience i want i wish every movie had this and like i give me that opportunity to talk halfway through the movie um to people of what you think so far and what's going to come up. Like, I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, 
but yeah, seeing RRR with an audience was just a blast. And I remember the first time I saw everything everywhere all at once, even though it was a press screening, my wife got to come with me. And I remember both of us just started, like I said, my brain being uh, blown uh, out of the back of my head, just being like, I can't believe this. And um, we're getting this so early in the year. And um, I mean, even Top Gun Maverick, we talked about too, where it's just like, no one expected do we even have top? We had Top Gun Maverick on our most anticipated. I'm assuming. Did we? I don't, I don't even know. know if we did. Because That's I don't think question. it was. It was a movie that people were expecting. Like, it's like, what do you expect from Top Gun Maverick? It's you know, yes, it has Tom Cruise returning, but you know, it's it's it doesn't have the cachet uh, a Mission Impossible movie has. Mission Impossible has sustained itself over the last decade or so where there's only one, you know, we were talking about this with avatar way, the way of water. This is basically, this is going to be a long plug for that review, but there's only one top gun movie. Yes. Has it been important to pop culture and influenced, you know, blockbuster filmmaking and the Bruckheimer kind of brand? Absolutely. But there's only the one movie. So it's like, we didn't, we didn't have top, we didn't have top gun Maverick on our most anticipated movies. So there weren't any expectations for it. And then it kind of, blows people out of the water and and the navi out of the water in this case um and you're just kind of surprised by like how rewatchable that movie is like that's a film that you know like everything everywhere all at once like rrr you know they are longer movies but they're also designed in a way that you can revisit them uh, over and over again and still enjoy the the roller coaster ride that they are and i feel Top Gun Maverick is that perfect example where it's it's so perfectly structured and engineered and like every scene you know leads into one great action set piece after another and then you know there's there's never a down moment but the pacing of it never feels like it wavers at any point and it's just such like it is the definition of a roller coaster ride and you know you have Tom Cruise kind of giving one of his best performances within the context of you know, the, the blockbuster world that he's created for himself. Obviously he can be a great actor and, you know, picking roles in like Magnolia and things like that. But I think those years have gone by the wayside for, for now at least, but within, you know, and he's good in the mission impossible movies, but it it just felt like everything clicked with this. Like every, every aspect of that movie was beautifully constructed in a way that made going back to the movies, just that like, a hell yeah experience. Absolutely, dude. Um, other themes of this year. Um, I'd say on the animated front, we had great things like Marcel the Shell with shoes on. We had some uh, a great Pixar movie in Turning Red that unfortunately went uh, straight to Disney+. Plus. Um, I kind of put this in the animated category, even though I know it was sort of hybrid, but Chippendale Rescue Rangers, um, I still kind of put in that animated side of things because it's mostly animated characters but even though it's got that roger rabbit kind of vibe of stuff two disney plus movies with turning red and chippendale that i thought were some of the best of the year uh gdt's pinocchio another streaming movie but um a great stop motion animated film that again another movie speaking of the first time i was like damn i really like that and then saw it again i was like damn this movie is great um and a surprise um for me because i feel like after zemeckis pinocchio and just how much we are familiar with that story you're not expecting to be surprised in a pinocchio movie if that makes sense and i thought and you're just a little burnt out on 
you know, the, the story being told, you know, in, in the span of only a few months, because Zemeckis's Pinocchio was September, Guillermo's was in, um, you know, December. So there's not a lot of time there. I mean, there's a lot of movies in between, but there's yeah. not a lot of time to kind of be like, okay, you know, like, l- let me have some, a, a bit of a buffer there to kind of reset. And, and, and how different those are. One's an assembly line kind of cookie cutter. Not know, even that. It doesn't even to... feel like there's anything. There's It's a soulless, yeah. empty vessel. Ironically soulless. <laughs> and, yeah. and, Where... and then you get the most heartfelt, like, passionate version of the story that you've seen in a very long time in, in Del Toro's version. And it's couldn't be more different. different. And um uh, absolutely if you haven't seen pinocchio on netflix um go check it out it's like you might be hesitant because you feel like you've seen pinocchio a bazillion times but like um it's fantastic i know people are saying that we got a, a lot of stop motion this year with mad god wendell and wild pinocchio is there one more that i'm missing um and i need I to catch up with uh i need to ones. catch up with mad god and wendell and wild i haven't seen them but um on the other side, I liked Lightyear quite a bit. I know it's kind of been lost this year. Like I know it's not something you need to shout out, but it kind of underperformed. And I um I feel like it's a shame not enough people saw that IMAX version of that movie because I feel like that was something from an animated side of things that I hadn't seen before, even though, you know, it is just the movie about the toy um, or the man, not the toy. Um, and I thought it was a fun movie, a good sci-fi, you know, a, a, a baby's first sci-fi movie. But um, that IMAX version of Lightyear, I thought was pretty spectacular. Um, a movie that I just feel like will go, oh yeah, Pixar made that Buzz Lightyear movie <laughs> like down the line. Like, I feel like it just wasn't really, maybe it's doing better on Disney Plus now. I, I don't know how how it's doing, but um, yeah, good year for animation. Um, and then on the streaming side of things, I really liked Prey. I know you didn't, Eric, but like I- I didn't dislike um, it. I, I, think it's, yeah. I think it's good. I just think it's one of those movies where like it made sense why it was available on the streamer and not theatrical. And, and like some people were making Kind of wish argument. I, yeah, I wish it went- theatrical yeah um jackass forever yes when tied for winner of best ensemble for the boston film critics association yep with Uh, women talking talking Uh, which also again an early release back in february where it's like you know you appreciate getting those films throughout the year and they're not just i mean not that jackass forever would be an awards movie but hey it is now so um you know like it's one of those things where it's like you know, if you get something good in January into June, you know, like it, it, it reminds you why you love movies so much. You know, you there's part of you that does this because I don't want to say it's just a job, but there's part of you that's like, OK, this is your profession. This is something that you you cover on a, a weekly basis. And, you know, you're, you you want to give everything a chance. You know, you, you want to ta- challenge yourself, whether it be kind of the most uh, kind of thinly created film or something that has more layers and texture to it that you'll think about later on, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the nature of the beast when it comes to this industry that it's, it's always moving. It's never stopping. And so you see so much that you forget that like, Oh, you know, I saw this movie back in March, but I've never thought about it ever again. Or I saw this movie back in. Oh, I've had a couple of those. I was going through, um, 
I guess we can talk about some of that. We we don't do worst of lists here. I just don't feel like it's productive at all. Um, no. Even like talking about, you know, what you thought were the worst films of the year. Could I say how much I disliked Tar or like other things? <laughs> well, like I'll be that. saying it's how much like, I like it. So there's a nice um, balance there. Uh, I could, but I just don't, it's not enjoyable. You know, I I just, I don't need to argue with anyone. It's all subjective. It, you know, even people who make worst of lists, like I'm like, "Ah, just focus on what you enjoy. Like why, why put more attention on things that you didn't like? I know like negativity gets more clicks and gets more conversation. Um, I feel like just put your thoughts out when a movie comes out. And if you didn't like it, move on, move on to things that you do enjoy. Um, But (laughs) there are a few things that not that they're awful, but like there are a lot of movies that I go, oh shit, that was this year. You know what I mean? Like the three, five, five. I knew that was coming because we saw that Um, at the end of December, but it didn't come out until the beginning of the or mid January because theaters were still closed at that point. Right. So yeah, but we saw it like mid December. I feel like, yeah. like, I feel like it was, we saw that way early, but then I was like, Oh shit, that was a, this year movie. Um, even scream that I forgot came out this year. Um, like if you're going back to the earlier stuff, uh, what else? I mean, you mentioned like Moonfall. <laughs> uh, what a classic. And that didn't even get a theatrical release. Uh, in no, Canada, I know. So. Death on the Nile. Um, I forgot was like a this year movie. Uncharted, I forgot, uh, came out and like um, didn't even realize there was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie this year. But then I remember oh, yeah. we talked about it on one of the episodes <laughs> and then like um, stuff like that where you go back and you're like oh my god like this year feels like it flew by but then we got two cuts of fathers too (laughs) yeah there are those things where you're like oh yeah that came out this year like even going into march where where um you know you have the batman and after yang and fresh and adam project and turning red and um the northman and yeah i'm like oh my god like that that feels like yesterday but then those movies that i mentioned that were just a month before them feel like eight years ago like it's it's weird but um but i I mentioned a bunch of movies there that came out in march that you're all gonna see on on my list right like i think everything everywhere was march as well right like march was a banger month and that's when i started to go like oh shit like this year front loaded with a ton of great stuff um and then the bubble came out so <laughs> see there's another movie where it's like oh, morbius yeah, that was this the year. bubble and morbius came out on the same day what a oh, day God. remember when we reviewed those i think i almost broke us or it did break us for a while because those are those are the films where it's like you know no year is complete without a bad movie multiple bad movies and you have to understand that that you know nobody sets out to necessarily make a bad film but you know, when you see a bunch of them in a row it can really <laughs> it really turns you off from ever wanting to review things or watch yeah. things and i think that's where criticism gets a bad rap because it's like film critics usually you know i'm sure there are a couple people that you know thrive off of the negativity but film critics are like movie are average moviegoers as well where it's like we love seeing stuff 
that we want to talk about and we want to recommend and and oh you hate it when you see a movie that you hate yeah. or don't like or and you know you have to give it a negative review like those are the hardest almost like like i don't know what's worse hard, the and, and i'm a part of the problem too so i'm not trying to exclude myself or <laughs> seem superior but i don't know what's worse the movie morbius or the film twitter social media making fun of it because oh it's remember all- we got it back in theaters and then it bombed again <laughs> God, what a wild ride jared leto man uh, you know this year for him between more we just talked about how we shouldn't focus on things we didn't like but um remember the post credit scene for morbius i don't know if we ever talked about it because like uh i doubt we did a spoiler cast or anything we just reviewed it but like i can't believe that happened mercy. I yeah. can't believe that was real. <laughs> like that, like ADR that Michael Keaton was doing and like how it felt like the, you said it like an AI created it. Chat yeah. GPT created the fucking <laughs> Morbius the post credit scene. AI. <laughs> it, I just like, I can't even, we're on the eve of getting, um, actually probably as you're listening to this, we've probably already gotten a, uh, across the spider verse trailer, which we will talk about on, next week's episode which makes sense because that's the most anticipated movies of 2023 episode um which will be great because a lot of trailers should probably drop this week with avatar so it makes sense to do that episode after and talk about some of those trailers and what we're most anticipated for um uh i forget what what i was saying spider verse oh yeah just like morbius, morbius just like the complete and utter like you know sony doing great things in 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 spider-verse um and then going what the hell is going on with um what they're trying to do with spider-man on the sony side of things and 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 morbius what an event that was um my poor wife came to see that with me (laughs) i don't know why and uh, like i remember just both of us being like oh that wasn't even like entertainingly bad like that was just really bad and then that post credit scene just being like what are they even trying to do what are they trying to do it made no sense i think that's the one kind of silver lining or 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 maybe a, a positive is that at least there's still some curiosity or intrigue in terms of what are they trying to do because you you can't really figure it out especially when you have such a massive franchise that they're working from where when you watch something like amsterdam you're just waiting until that movie ends you are just praying that the end credits will come faster than you know uh taylor swift's cameo in that movie and so like you're just like you know, there are just some movies that are more of a struggle than others. And then, you know, like there's highs and lows every year, right? That's what I mean. Like you don't need to necessarily make a worst of the year list, but there's always going to be highs and lows, especially um, if you see as much as we do. And I, I think that's just part of the gig. And I think, I think you're turning into an AI, Matt. You uh, you, you sounded break- like that for me. You just, yeah, you're you breaking up, like and now robot. you're just a frozen image. Are, are uh, we you're, being Michael Keaton? You're frozen. Yeah, someone heard our conversation, and um, you seem to be getting better now. Now, me, yeah, but, you're still yeah. pixelated, but uh, same yeah. with you. But now you you got better, so uh, I'm this sure it's gonna be fun for you editing. On your end. <laughs> no, I think it should be fine because it records everything locally. Anyway, um. Yeah, highs and lows every year. And I feel like that's the thing that at the end of the year, this 
time of year is always fun because you go to like holiday events with your family. And I feel like you probably get this too, Eric, where people want to talk about movies with you. And I always get the thing about you hate everything. And I'm like, I don't fucking hate everything. It's just, I see a lot and I see a lot of crap. I'm like, I, I hate that comment. It's just like, no, I see 300 movies in a year and you see four. So of course the four you saw were four good ones. You saw Top Gun Maverick. You saw everything everywhere all at once. You saw like a Marvel movie you wanted to see and one other thing. And I'm like, but I'm sure you'll get some people saying, Oh, I saw Elvis and I thought it was amazing. And then you're kind of like, you know, you want to be polite. There's always those too. too, So there's always those, right. I've had that, you know, avatar will be that movie probably. Um, mind you we're going to see it again this week so maybe that changes based on uh on what our thoughts are on that second watch but you know i've I've always had that one movie mad max other things like one per year that you know you're kind of on the opposite side of the consensus so when your family goes to see those movies and talks to you it does sound like you hate everything or you hate like i'm like no i'm not one of those contrarian critics i promise you i'm not just a critic in general right like the stereotype (laughs) of of criticism is that you have to hate everything and criticism i know but isn't a negative and we always talk about this but i think you have to reiterate it is that criticism can be a positive thing even when you are criticizing something you like you need to discuss why it worked for you and how it relates to, you know, your perspective, but also the filmmaking of it. And then on top of that, how you feel it might work for somebody else, you know, even when you don't like something and, and Roger Ebert would always talk about this is that, you know, you have to, you have to give the movie its day in court. You have to write in a way that still entices the viewer to want to see the movie, even if it's a negative review, you know, you have to show that it's like, Oh, that sounds like this person didn't like it, but I kind of like, some that's of an interesting perspective. Yeah. And yeah. I always feel like, you know, sure. It's uh, when you say like, it's all subjective or you should just kind of make your own decision. I feel like you find people that you kind of align with and then you go, oh, I, I always agree with Matt's opinion or Eric's opinion or Matt's a moron and I like Eric's opinion more or or vice, vice versa. versa or or even um, just like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll give this a try because I've liked a couple things they've recommended before yeah. and I'm usually on the same wang- wavelength. But then or when I say I'm don't not. like something, you're like, I never agree with Matt. So obviously I might like this. So shit like that. That's why these things are always kind of fun. Uh, Eric, I know you haven't put together your list did you nope. want to take a second to kind of uh, pick 15 and, and put them in alphabetical order or do you, while i do my list or, yeah sure or i'll just be like... i'll just be the guy in the background who's on my phone just being like okay or you can uh, i uh, mean however you want to do well this. i've kind of got we, we i kind of do have we a make list up i lied rules, so. i lied i was putting something together because you had mentioned wanting to do a sight and sound list oh so yeah I yeah I wonder, but that's at, best films ever but yeah we those, might do that on another episode uh on, i gotta look this up now fine because i did that's gonna together. be a whole nother conversation but um yeah the water boy I, on my sight and sound list i i would like to do a sight and sound episode to put put together our best films of all time kind of list i think could be fun uh it's hard to just pick like 10 but 
Um, I'll, I can go through mine and it's in alphabetical order. I got 17 kinda... movies, so I got to cut a couple. Um, it's up to you. I mean, we make up the rules. I have 14. You can do 17. I don't give it. a shit. I'm like doing 17. It's just, it was a good year, um, people. It was that's a fine. good year. I, I could add a couple. It's just, I'm going off the graphic I built, which I could only fit 14. So okay. there was a couple, there were a couple movies and these, if you look at my letterbox list, it might not even match up to this list. It's almost like, um, I just rank them throughout the year on on the letterbox list. But then when I'm putting together that list, you want to present to the world of what you think your the best movies of the year were. You kind Ooh, of this, like this is a good representation of Matt and his yeah, taste. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Ooh, uh, to be a, up your own a ass a little bit. Um, so there might be one thing being like, ah, do I need to put Black Panther Wakanda Forever on there, or do I need to put on um, what else? Like kind of. We already mentioned uh, Chippendale. I oh, just wait for my list. Um, <laughs> um, things like uh, a lot of these are on here, um, like Prey, which I mentioned, or Barbarian, or uh, there's something like, you know, even I mentioned After Sun, and, and you'll see all the beauty in the bloodshed. Like, hey, let me just give you my list and we can kind of talk about it. And then, Eric, Matt, give it go. to us. Give us your list. Um, so these are Matt Rohrbeck's best movies of 2022 in alphabetical order. There's 14. Why is there 14? Like I said, I could fit 14 on the graphic. Um, there's more on my letterbox at, at Matt Rohrbeck. Um, okay. Here they are. Wait, wait, Do you want to maybe say your favorite film of the year or do you want to save that for the very end and say of these i'll do it at the end i'll I'll do it at the end i'll list and then i'll I'll, we should do favorite film of the year i think is good i mean i think people know at this point we've kind of already spoiled that but morbius um, to be official yeah morbius uh yeah i just list morbius 14 (laughs) times uh okay here are my best films uh of 2022 in alphabetical order uh we have after sun after Yang, big year for afters. Um, <laughs> after Sun, after Yang, all the beauty in the bloodshed, Babylon, the Batman, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, everything everywhere all at once, Glass Onion, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Nope, RRR, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. Those are the movies I would like to present to the world for their judgment. Judge me how you please. Um, My favorite film of the year. I debated between three films specifically, mostly just back and forth between two. And I ultimately went with my gut of the first thing that blew my mind this year. And it kind of stuck with me the whole year. So that would be, daniel's everything everywhere all at once it was close though with rrr um rrr i remember both movies just right after seeing them and while watching them i just remember going a holy shit multiple times um just two of the most inventive exciting um and enjoyable you know visual uh, spectacles visual spectacles that i've seen in like a long time with a lot of heart as well um and with some of the best performances um uh, of the year as well so uh daniel's everything everywhere all at once 
uh, is my favorite film of the year. Uh, quickly talking about my list. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, I'm glad after Yang stuck with me the whole year. I, I think that's an underrated movie that came out this year that was early and hasn't really stuck around. And I haven't really uh, heard many people talking about them. A fantastic Colin Farrell uh, performance, uh, fantastic cinematography. It just left me in this kind of trance um that I, I i couldn't escape from until it was it, it was over and i it's kind of stuck with me the whole year i thought it was great you mentioned it as like a great pinocchio story so i kind of have like two it kind it kind of is though right yeah. like like i want to quickly say this like yeah you have the idea of the father who doesn't realize what he has and when that is gone you know both boys are not real boys quote unquote in their father's eyes until much later on in the story until that realization yeah. and then you have you know the characters sort of mourning or trying to figure out what to do within this kind of this world that they live in whether it be the real world or a you know potential future and you know again we're seeing the world partly through the pinocchio or yang eyes but at the same time it's the father realizing who this person is to him you know, and, and like very that elegant. Like, I appreciate that. Yeah I, yeah. I didn't think of it that way until you brought it up the other day. And I really love that, but it stuck with me the whole year. Um, fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, after sun, like I said, first time I watched, it, I was kind of like, or the only time I've watched it, I really want to watch it again with my wife. But, um, I was like, okay, I, I've seen this story before and I felt like it was almost too subtle for its own good. But then that subtlety and then the style kind of, crept in and and get one of the most assured uh debuts i've seen and and you know the more i thought about it and even the stuff that i didn't vibe with as i was watching it i started to think about more and go no you're an idiot that's what makes the movie very special or part of what makes the movie very special um it's use of reflections and just um and, and stuff like that is, is fantastic um all the beauty and the bloodshed i think the best doc i've seen this year i haven't seen that many obviously because i i'm terrible um but uh one of my favorite movies of tiff i think one of the most stylish and and uh such a gut punch but a, a good character piece as well and and uh the best juxtaposition i've seen between like a, a documentary on a person and a and a topic um and i if again is it out yet eric or did it come Which out one? all the beauty and, all the the beauty bloodshed? and the bloodshed yeah it's playing in limited release okay. at the light box right now cool uh great uh babylon uh, our review will be out on december 23rd when the movie releases so you guys can kind of um get our full thoughts uh, on babylon but i think um damien chazelle made a um twisted um kind of stepbrother or stepsister to, to La La Land. And um, I loved every second of it, all three hours and 10 minutes of it as well. Um, an in-your-face bombastic kind of both love letter and, and I don't know, a shit post on, on, on literally on Hollywood. So um, just a depraved kind of um, 
how do I describe it? It was like boogie nights mixed with La La Land and just like fueled by cocaine. Um, yeah, just fueled on a mountain of cocaine. So like I I loved Babylon. I can't wait to talk about it with Eric and, and I can't wait to watch it again. Um, the Batman stuck around all year. I think my favorite superhero movie of the year. I think Matt Reeves is one of my favorite working directors, especially when it comes to like big budget kind of Hollywood movies. Um, his Planet of the Apes movies, I think, are spectacular. And what he brought to Batman, a character we've seen so many times to reinvent that again. Like um, Pinocchio. Is, is wild. And to be able to do it as successful as as he did is, is very, very impressive. Uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, I think the funniest film of the year for me like i just uh, i think i was in the perfect headspace the perfect it came out at the perfect time um i love lonely island can't believe that they let the guys who made hot rod make a roger rabbit movie essentially so like it it i i think they absolutely crushed it what disney allowed them to get away with in that movie i think uh was surprising and um I'm excited to revisit that every once in a while because like I really laughed my ass off watching Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Uh, already spoken a lot about everything everywhere all at once. Uh, don't need to go into that anymore. But um, my favorite film of the year. It's fantastic. Uh, Glass Onion. Uh, favorite film of Tiff. This is coming from someone who didn't love Knives Out, but thought Ryan Johnson absolutely crushed it with Glass Onion, one of the most fun movies of the year with a mystery that is very straightforward, but I loved its social commentary um, on mediocre men. Um, it, it's fantastic. It's coming out on Netflix soon, I think also at the end of the month uh, near Christmas as well, 20, is it 23rd. also the 23rd? Yeah, I think it's 23rd. also the 23rd with Babylon. Um, just absolutely crushed it everyone in that movie rules um gdt's pinocchio we talked a lot about uh i think one of the most technically impressive movies i've seen in a very long time uh hearing guillermo del toro talk about it even kind of um kicked my ass even more to be like fuck this movie is impressive and um but also just a great emotional core to that movie and um uh not just from the tech standpoint and probably the best Pinocchio movie and that's a lot to say because I think the Disney one the original Disney one is is a classic but this is very different surprising did not expect a lot of the stuff that I saw in that movie um Marcel the Shell with Shoes on just one of the most charming movies of the year love the animation style uh love that little dude and and I think just uh, again a movie that I didn't expect to hit me as hard as it did but um did I cry? Absolutely did. And um, why I, do I you think, cry? I think it was fantastic. Uh, nope. Like you said, the best Spielberg movie of the year. Um, I think it again, that last act, which I wasn't hot on when I first saw it, I it's kind of faded away. And I just think the movie as a whole is the spectacle, which is really what it's made for um, is one of the, the best spectacles of the year that all the IMAX footage is incredible. Uh, the performances are great. It's funny. It's thrilling. It's scary. It's uh, just everything you want in that, like you said, that cinematic experience that we've we got this year in, in a lot of films. And you can kind of see a theme for this stuff that I really like this year. RRR, already talked about it a lot. Uh, that light box screening kind of reiterated that I think with, with everything everywhere, it's the... 
<coughs> choking on my own words. I loved it so much. Um, it's hard not to. Just one of the pure cinematic you know, thrill rides I've had in, in, in a long time. I mean, same can be said for the next one, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, a movie I think no one expected to be a- as uh, transformative <laughs> as it was. Um, I I couldn't believe it uh, the first time I saw it of going, oh my God, that was incredible. Um, he did all the, it. He really did it. I don't even think we expected anyone to do it. Like the first Top Gun is, is a fun not even a fun movie. It's like your dad's favorite movie. It's like it's, it's almost a, ironically like now because yeah, of how cheesy it is, right? Yeah. Um, has some iconic sequences, but like what you know Kaczynski and Cruz were able to do with this. Uh, uh I would also you know, say uh, Christopher McQuarrie, right? McQuarrie and even um uh the cinematographer, I'm blanking. Claudio on, Miranda. Uh, Claudio Miranda um working with the cast of do shooting everything in actual fighter jets and just like again uh that last act and from the moment cruz kind of jumps back in and shows everyone how it's done to that whole last act i mean the whole fucking movie is incredible also like Um, pinocchio sure cruz is geppetto miles teller is pinocchio he doesn't realize that he's kind of his like pseudo son until the end they go on adventures together the 2020 2022 the year of pinocchio um and then women talking um sarah Pauly coming back after taking a decade off from feature filmmaking um uh i think is one of the most devastating movies of the year one of the best edited movies of the year one of the best ensembles of the year um a great score uh just easily one of the best films of the year um something i've wanted to revisit but it's such a heavy movie that um it's going to be one of those there are those movies some years too where you you only kind of need to see them once and you just know how great they are um that they're not necessarily rewatchable because of the subject matter and how heavy they are they are and uh but women talking just uh, an absolute gut punch and um a fantastic fantastic movie so yeah i'm really happy with this group of films like i think it's eclectic and very me um i don't know how many other people will have chippendale rescue rangers on on their list but uh, i gotta stay true to myself so um i you gotta uh, stay I, true to you while wearing blue um thank you all everyone listening on audio is going what are you talking about <laughs> um so yeah man that that's that's matt this year so uh, i'm happy with that that's that's a good that's a good curated list though. Like you know, you have a little bit of everything on there. Got some animated, got some yeah, got some action. You know, no Marvel movie this year, which, which is, is um, saying something. Yeah, you know, Black Panther. I think probably could cusp. be that movie that if I'd made fifteen, right? Like fifteen's that nice even number that we usually kind of do. Yeah. Um, where if I did, uh, like if I'm giving honorable mentions right now, um what would be in contention for that, you know, 15th spot? Um, I'd say something like turning red, um, or Wakanda forever or barbarian or prey, uh, bones and all. Even we mentioned that it's kind of creeping up, uh, eating away at us. (laughs) Um, It's nose. (laughs) Those, those movies are the ones that I think are in contention for that 15th spot. Um, I I had turning red on this list originally, but then when I was thinking of like 
you know, I want to, you know how you do this as well, where you group movies and you go, okay, what animated, you want a little representation from different areas of filmmaking. Like that's why all the beauty and the bloodshed. I'm like, I want to have a doc on there. Right. I like, and it was, it's a great movie on top of that. It's not necessarily like me just going, I have to have this in there because of, I need a documentary and I need, so I don't look like an idiot or I need this because I, whatever. You're it's sophisticated, like, no, these, Matt. these are, these are still my, I have Chippendale rescue Rangers. I'm not that sophisticated, but, um, God, Nan golden and um, Chippendale. Yeah. Same like, so like that, that's what I mean. Right. Where I had Pinocchio, I had Chippendale. I'm like, I love turning red. You know, the, the Torontonian in me, was like how could you not put turning red I on mean, this list i mean you're basically but, dressed in toronto um, right now <laughs> i know I, I really am um but i with marcel with pinocchio and with chippendale i'm like all right if i had to cut something maybe it's an animated movie or, or something like that and then for me with the mcu stuff is like i usually always there's one mcu movie that kicks my ass every year that i just absolutely love like i mean spider-man was my favorite movie last year i think um but this year just i don't know with love and thunder and um and doctor strange which both i feel like are weirdly like there are some things to enjoy in both of them but are both very messy movies um i'm also curious talking about like you know revisiting stuff is like i've had that itch of doing a marvel rewatch again my mom did another one she watched my mom is is more of an MCU person than I am. Where she's going <laughs> to say more beats, man. <laughs> yeah, she's rewatched the MCU more times than I have, and she just recently, like, it only took her like a week. Um, where my mom's retired now, so she's got some free time, and she loves watching movies and TV shows, and she likes episodic stuff, right? That's why I think why she loves the MCU. Um, she went back and rewatched the entire MCU, including the TV shows. <laughs> um recently she hasn't seen black panther yet but she's um but she's rewatched the entire mcu again and i've had that itch so and i'm curious because the last time i did it my rankings and how i felt about certain movies like completely changed so like i am curious now that we're done phase four of like how maybe we'll I dislike those movies even more. Will they work better? Should I wait until quantum mania and, and, and those movies? Cause maybe the, when the multiverse stuff starts to, you know, show it's when Kang starts to show its face a little bit more and we understand where everything's going. Um, will I enjoy some of those other movies more because they, the puzzle pieces are starting to actually connect to make a, an actual picture. Um, I don't know, but I have had that itch to watch more MCU stuff. But anyways, I don't know why I went on that diatribe. Uh, these are the best movies of the year. After Sun, After Yang, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Babylon, The Batman, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Glass Onion, GDT's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shells with Shoes, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, uh, Nope, RRR, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. Eric, it's your turn, baby. Okay, so I have to make a couple of uh, small adjustments here. I am now doing a top 20 list, and I am oh including Bones God. and all. Well, because I also like an even list, and I forgot a couple when you mentioned them that I didn't put in uh, my 16 or 17. You so indecisive in. motherfucker. I know, I know. Uh, you know what? I will, for the actual graphic, I will cut it down. 
I will cut okay, it down that's to 14. Fair. Okay? I mean, we make up the rules. You can do as many movies as you want. But, you can, but there's even a couple you know, movies that go I through your whole Go through your whole letterbox list ranking <laughs> 1 to 300 of every movie you watch this year. Okay, so here we go. And and I won't stay on them too long. because Here are, are Eric's 20 best films of, of 2022. Yes. After Sun. After Yang. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. The Banshees of Inishirin. The Batman. Bones and All, Decision to Leave, EO, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Glass Onion, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Nope, The Northman, One Fine Morning, Return to Soul, RRR, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, and Turning Red. I love it. A lot of crossover there. Um, yeah. Obviously... Only a couple of things we really disagree on. Um, Power would if probably you wanna, be the main one. Probably the main one. But did you want to elaborate on your list as a whole or go yeah, for it? I, I Yeah, I think like this year, again, we've been talking a lot about it where, you know, like it, it just depends on the day and how you feel. Yeah. You could kind of like there's even a couple of things on here that I that, that I was touched by emotionally with like Armageddon time that's not on this list, but could be on the list depending on again, how I feel. But then, you know, like after sun is that movie where the first time I watched it, I really, really liked it a lot. And it kind of stuck with me throughout the entire, you know, festival season with Tiff and just thinking about it. And then rewatching it again, it somehow was like watching it for the first time and reliving the memory anew. And when I saw it that second time, it kind of became more clear to me that it was something that was truly unlike anything else I had watched this year. And even though Everything Everywhere All at Once and RRR were two movies that completely blew me away in terms of, you know, their ambition and how skillful they were, were but playful, I kind of kept thinking about after sun and anytime i would hear someone else talk about it and finding it for the first time it would only make me love the movie even more and like that it would you know because again it is one of those films where i think if you're not on its wavelength it's it's a harder movie to get into but if you if you do give it a chance and it does wash over you it's a film that rewards you in such a a beautiful way and it is so personal and and so distilled into this one moment but there is so much that charlotte wells is giving to you as as an audience member that's very specific but still relatable and you just kind of go on this trip this detour into her memory and into this one moment and it's just so vivid and real and doesn't feel like a film in the sense that you can like watch having watched it twice and and I do want to watch it again, but it is a movie where it's like, it's both very much a movie you can go back to, but you need to give it a little bit time. Between it's quietly movies. devastating. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's a film like watching it twice you know, you watch a movie over and over again, you start to see the seams, even if you love the movie, you see the little kind of imperfections that, you know, Guillermo del Toro talks about with uh, uh, Pinocchio, you know, those are the, the reason why you love something, because you see, 
you know, the, 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 the people that made it, you know, the, the, the fingerprints that they leave behind and with after sun. Yeah. It's, 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 it's made by somebody specifically and there is a collaboration process, but when watching it, it doesn't feel like I'm seeing any of the cuts or any of the transitions and the way that the camera moves doesn't feel it is showy, but it's not at the same time. It's perfectly controlled, but it's also organic. And I've, I, I, there, there are very few movies that I can tell you that feel like a stream of consciousness in a way that this does yeah. and, and does it in a way that is completely assured. And I'm still trying to figure out how the hell Charlotte Wells pulled that off. And this being her first feature length film, like this is something that someone would build up to, you know, their fourth or fifth movie once they've had some time to experience, you know, the medium and understand the language of the form. And, and, and when you watch after sun, you're just like, this person knows exactly what they need in order to tell this story and, and how to do so in such a moving, but not manipulative manner. And Paul Mascal's performance is incredible. Frankie Corio is an amazing discovery. Um, the setting again, like it's, it's, it's a hangout movie, but it's, as you mentioned, quietly devastating. And that final act just sneaks up on you and, and hits you in a way that is so well earned. I, I really, again, hope more people will give it a shot. It's a film that only really had a limited release, like just in terms of like, even like where I am, like, it didn't play at landmark it it, it only <laughs> it, it only was a limited release in toronto like that was the closest yeah that's surprising to to yeah it. it didn't really even expand to the suburbs right no and and that's unfortunate because again it's just one of those movies where it's like Could i have benefited tell- from one of those like 824 like apple tv kind of things or something yeah like, but i, I, I know think it's this a, is a movie yeah, that needs to be I, seen in the theater i know but people aren't going to. i know like that's I what know. i so i would rather people see it than be like you gotta see it in a theater where most people are gonna go i don't need to see this movie in a theater like i get you're saying that but you like my argument would be the majority of people will won't go see that movie in a theater so right. i would rather them just see it you know what i mean like yeah that's I, I do why i I don't disagree yeah. with you, but I do feel that, you know, like we had the opportunity to see it in a theater. And even though I really loved it the second time and I watched it on a screener the second time, I do feel that first time is really important for that movie because I think the again, we've talked about this before where it's not necessarily the movie's fault. Sometimes, you know, you procrastinate or you have all these distractions around you whether it be your phone or life in general that it's easy to kind of pause something like after sun and then put it to the side and weirdly that's it's almost like that's part of like what the memory is you know you you pause it and then play it and come back to it and kind of look at it as though like you're reliving a moment but there is just something about seeing that in the theater that kind of like you, you need to be completely um, open to it and you need to give your patience and focus to what Wells is doing. But I also understand it's one of those things where, um, you know, you, you to get more people to see it, it would probably be 
good to have something like an Apple TV Plus kind of promote it maybe a little bit more. But it is going to be available. But it could get buried on one of those too. So like I'm yeah. not I'm just saying like it I don't know. Like I it's just a harder movie it. to push. It's a harder it, like it needs the critical support in order to keep afloat. And I think it's gotten that. And I think people are still talking about it in a way, at least when it comes to the critics. The people who love it will yell it from yes. the rooftops for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and it'll so, help like, for people like you, prominent film critics with lots of pull, yes, saying with that, a Rotten Tomatoes account uh, that will say it's amazing, and that um, prominent critic <laughs> that and people will go, "Damn, Eric March said it's best film of the year." So I disagree. Uh, what a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it is one of those movies that I think will be a discovery for a lot of people. That I yeah. mean, it could go either way. Like again, we almost said it. Like it's almost too subtle for its own good in the sense of like it i never could see uh, you. yeah like i could see a modern movie goer going this is boring or, or something like that which we kind of brought up in a review but like that's doing the movie a disservice and not giving it a, a fair shot and if if like you said if you are on its wavelength then you're you're in for uh a, a fantastic fantastic movie so i hope people do give it a shot and i'm i think with more and more people saying like this is one of the best films of the year um i just hope people get a, a chance to see it and sorry you i cut you off you said it's going to be available soon on the yes on or? itunes yes yeah. so i think it's december 20th it's available in at least in canada mm. um and yeah. i think actually um a24 in the u.s is having it a part of it's going to be a part of their screening room. So yeah, they always do that. Yeah. That it's you know, coming to VOD. Mm-hmm. They, you know, a 24 has a great marketing department and, um, we should I have cut it just, together like a, like an elevated horror movie. Get more people to see it. I think because of everything everywhere and then putting like all of their chips into that, that that might be like, okay, well maybe we'll promote this more when it's out on VOD or, or maybe, do some more, I don't know, like a special edition, like Blu-ray or something like that. I could even see a, a Criterion release for that. I don't know if we've got, have we gotten much A24 stuff on Criterion? Uncut Gems. Um, yeah, that was the first big one, right? The yeah. first big collaboration. But but they're I mean, also doing their own like in-house special editions now yeah. like marcel the shell with shoes on the green knight the suit which are all, all look great i just wish yeah. shipping prices weren't so much on the a24 shop <laughs> like yeah. um because their collector's editions are great it's just like you gotta pay i even like the the children's books that they the daniel kwan um oh yeah i should get that uh, for ivor yeah i was gonna get them for my buddy kevin just had a kid um one of my good friends um and there's two children's books that uh, they wrote and I would love because no one else is going to buy those for him and they'll be the weirdest kids books that he probably gets for his kid um, and very me. Um, but they're $55 for both books and then with shipping and everything, you're going to pay a, over $100. You're going to spend is over American uh, to Canadian. Yeah. And oh, then uh, their Blu-rays though. Um I didn't see the Marcel one yet, but the Green Knight one is gorgeous. The Midsommar one is gorgeous. The Last Black Man in San Francisco one is gorgeous. Um, I think they have Lamb. The Souvenir double set is great as well. Um, Do you see Marcel yet? Yeah, I just see Marcel. It's a yeah. See, they're they're beautiful. Like I want all of these, they're but beautiful. like, and they always release them in 4K as well. And like, 
you can tell like they put a lot of effort into their um their releases so maybe they'll do that for that as well i hope they do more i would like yeah. an everything everywhere special edition as well i mean you know what they could do a little more for they could put a little effort in and make a really good special edition of under the silver lake a movie they basically abandoned uh which is underrated I absolutely agree with you. I've had an itch to rewatch that as well. Like yeah. to take an edible and just watch that movie, I think would be a blast. <laughs> um, Eric, uh, go through what else do you want to highlight on your list? I know we had some crossover, so maybe I, you can highlight whatever you yeah, want. But like, um, I, I really love that this year we had a couple kind of, you know, mystery kind of movies with decision to leave as well. I, I really love that movie quite a bit. I think Park Chan-wook is one of those filmmakers that, you know, one of the very few that is an event filmmaker that everything he does is worth going to the theater for. Um, the the latest movie on this list in terms of what I watched um, was uh, Jersey uh, Skolomowski's uh, EO, which is the film about a donkey who kind of travels throughout Europe. And from its perspective, you see parts of um you know, the culture, whether it be from, you know, uh, footballers point of views or, you know, circus acts, things like that. And it's always kind of, it's Brissonian, but it's also doing something on its own. It's very experimental with the cinematography. Um, it's using uh, drone cameras in a way that I haven't really seen before in, in a very kind of innovative manner. Um, the director of this movie, um, you know, probably best known now to North American audiences as the guy who has uh, captured Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson's character in Avengers or spits in Viggo Mortensen's face in Eastern Promises. So best MCU movie of the year, EO. Yes, yes, it is. It is canon. Um, but it's one of those films that kind of feels like, again, you know, you have movies like RRR and Nope and this making a point about animal cruelty and our relationships to animals and how, you know, like, Nope and, and 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 EO specifically, but like even RRR with how it's kind of, you know, removing any potential harm to animals and not having live action uh, animal actors in um, any of their scenes and using, you know, CGI to fully explore uh, the, the potential of, of any sort of set piece where with Nope and, and, and this, it kind of felt like there is an interesting dialogue there about animal cruelty and how, you know, when we first see EO, he's work, he's basically a circus donkey and sort of, you know, the progression of the character from beginning to end. Um, it's the closest I've felt in terms of having that reaction where you watch a movie and you feel like maybe you should become a vegan in the way that Okja is kind of devastating in that emotional way. And, and, you know, it is an art house film, but it's only an hour and 28 minutes. And it's such a weird but also kind of spiritual journey. It kind of plays with the, 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 the filmmaking. There's this whole sequence shot in, in red that kind of is just out of this world. And it, it's not exactly what you're expecting it to be, but it still is very experimental. And then Isabel Huppert shows up for like uh, eight minutes in the movie. And you're like, what the hell is going on? But in the best She's possible the voice of the donkey. I wish, but no, um, it, it, it's just one of those films where it's like, it's out now it's uh Poland's submission for best international film. I highly recommend giving it a shot, especially like if you live in a major city like Toronto, it's playing at the light box. It's it, the texture. The look of it is beautiful. It, it, it's just, it is a really kind of um, 
all-consuming experience. Uh, so check that out. Um, another movie that I added that was an earlier film from the year that I think deserves a lot of credit in terms of its filmmaking is Robert Eggers' The Northman. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, but I think in the way that it blends both special effects and sort of in-camera sequences is, is incredible. The way it plays with both uh, fairy tale and sort of, you know, real world or kind of real world aspects in the fantasy elements uh, is amazing. I love the chapter sort of breakup of, of, of each sequence, uh, the night blade and sort of where that goes. And I think the final act or that final sequence um, is amazing and it's kind of just like it's truly a fascinating take on the whole sort of uh machismo and and sort of uh male kind of um revenge story and sort of a, a take on it that we've seen before but done in a way that feels completely channeled by a filmmaker that has to be as authentic as possible to the point where like he's literally not only building sets but he's you know, having the costume department build and make shoes from that period. And it's just, yeah, there's just something about it that kind of feels otherworldly and dreamy um, that I really appreciated. Um, a couple international movies that we both saw at TIFF. Um, I really loved One Fine Morning. I think Leah Sedu is incredible uh, in that film. I really love uh, Mia Hansen Love as a uh, director. I think Bergman Island last year was amazing. And this as a follow-up is maybe not as... Uh, clever with what it does with one of its techniques in that movie, but it is still emotionally poignant, great, especially yeah. with, you know, the father daughter dynamic and having to look after somebody who, you know, was once revered for um, their intelligence and their independence, having to depend on the next generation to look after them and the complications that ensues, especially when you're also trying to live your own life and, and trying to look after your own child and have a relationship, a romantic relationship with somebody else. And, and those things are just so beautifully done and very effortless. Like it's just, it's, it's a movie where you could watch it and be easy to criticize that it's, Oh, anyone can make this kind of movie. I think it's very hard to make that film feel so, organic and it does so beautifully return to soul is a movie that i've been thinking a lot about just in terms of you know one thing i've always loved in in movies is identity and sort of looking at how you know people sort of reconcile with who they are and where they come from and their ancestry and you know the feeling of abandonment or not knowing your complete heritage and the idea of, of having somebody who you know is french korean but also kind of feeling like you know they're reconnecting with um the korean side of their family but also feeling like they were basically abandoned and and having very mixed thoughts on that overall i think is a really powerful um story the lead performance is incredible um there are just moments that are very surreal there are aspects that actually include the pandemic that kind of you know would usually take you out of a movie, but I think add to where the film ultimately ends up. Um, I will jump in and say, um, <clears throat> I had both one fine morning and return to soul on my critics choice, best international film. Hell yeah. And they're both worthy of, 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 of being there. And, and, and I think more people will discover those films. Cause I mean, they've, they've played the festival circuit starting at Cannes, but um, you know, 
One Fine Morning will be released in February and um, Return to Seoul, at least in Toronto. I think February is also Return to Seoul in the US, but in Canada, it's the beginning of March. Both are mongrel media here. Um, and then Tar is one of those movies that I think I've loved having conversations with you because the thing I, I, I absolutely love the movie. I think it is meticulously made. I think that there was so much going on and even having another conversation as, as you're just wiping your brow, uh, having a chance to talk to somebody else that um, found even more detail than, than I, you know, have had conversations with other people. Um, uh, Molly Raspberry, like it's one of those films I want to go back and rewatch and how it's structured and plays with credibility and, identity and also you know the, the the period in which we are in now i think is really fascinating but i also really appreciate your perspective on the film and understand that perspective very well <laughs> do we because it's fine i mean do and, we and my I, perspective not the movie no 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 but but this thing i but i think you, your opinion on the film because you didn't like it is still like if if we both liked everything everywhere all at once it would be boring yeah no, it would be it. boring and, I mean, and, and, and I that goes you, for anything really yeah yeah and i think you need those movies to make you understand that one your opinion isn't better or worse than anybody else but two it's also good to hear a different perspective whether Yelling it be positive already. negative or neutral and understand that there's going to be those perspectives yeah and, and, and i think and it makes and you a better every person. movie it's why you know uh, yeah i agree i it's uh my wife nevis watched um the movie uh recently so i've been talking about it more with her she enjoyed it quite a bit um felt it was slow to get going but then she really enjoyed it as kind of um you know the last kind of half of the movie started to play out um i yeah i i I don't need to you can go listen to our review really i don't really have much more to say it's it's faded from my mind to the point you know when you just don't care for something and you're like i don't know it's just exhausting for me to talk about it and try to explain my side um of it and i know i'm in the minority but i don't want to take it away from you know you and and people who who do really enjoy it but no but but again um, i think it is something to 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 value both sides of 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 a positive and a negative opinion on something because not everything is you know Top Gun is a movie we both loved, but it's also made to be loved by the masses. Like it is kind of designed in that way, right? Like it's thought of like, how this do we make the, the critics, best... not the fans? Well, well yeah, I wasn't going to say go that far, but, I'm but kidding. Top Gun Maverick is, Matt, is a man movie, of the people is a movie that is made where it's like, okay, we want to make this movie as accessible as possible to the point where we won't even have, uh, you know, we won't, name the villain the country of origin for the villains you know like that's how you know kind of broad appeal we want we don't want to offend anyone so let's just yeah uh, where tar isn't that tar is a movie that's going to rub people the wrong way it's going to challenge people it's 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 going to have opinions that that are varied in terms of what todd field is attempting to say or do and those are the movies I love the most because you're not going to just get the same opinion again and again and again. You're going to get your opinion. You're going to get my opinion. You're going to get somebody else's opinion. 
And those opinions, I think, are going to be even more varied from each person to person. But it, it's just something where, again, like that meticulous detail, the way that like feel drops you into a world that 99% of people are have almost probably no familiarity with or are uncomfortable yeah. with or feel overwhelmed by because they think that the film is talking down to them which it very much could be depending on your opinion of the movie um i think is a really interesting choice even the way that he structures the credits where you know the people that made the movie are usually never given their due because we're leaving the theater by the time those credits play and so him playing the credits at the top of the film up until his name and Kate Blanchett's name came comes up I think is a really interesting choice and is saying something about the film and also Lydia Tarr as a character. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on there, whether or not you agree or disagree with it. That's, that's why I love movies so much. It's, it's always fun to have those conversations because again, like it's something like if one of us liked Elvis, you know, I think it would be the same thing. Or if one of us liked Dune or, you know, I mean, there's some things that you've well, liked. Those are our most, me, but those are, yeah, I know we sure there might be a one star difference and that could go from a three star to a two star or three star to a four star or five star to a four star. Like we're usually not that far off, even if we disagree. Um, and because we're good friends, we don't really yell at each other or, or are too far off to go. You're, you're crazy or, or whatever. Like, but you shouldn't anyways. That's the, oh, thing. no, even no, if no. You I don't know never, the person. You should never get, I think those things can be fun. I, if it's in jest, right? Like, you yeah. know, I got heated during tar, but that was mostly playing up, each side of it right and just trying yeah. to have a funny end cap to that review and i was passionate in how much i disliked that movie um but yeah i agree with you that the most interesting conversations you're going to have is to be open to hearing someone else's perspective and i am curious because like we've already had good conversations about tar um i struggle with i see so much and that like when i don't like something i kind of just erase it from my brain which isn't like the best thing but like it's also just how my brain works where it's like didn't like that thing never want to think about it again i'm on to the next thing that i enjoy so it's hard for me to even go back and go okay how do i feel about tar i know i didn't like it um and then i go i guess i gotta either listen to my own review or <laughs> go back and um say to people like go listen to that if you want my more thought full kind of like uh, conversations about the movie because I even found myself talking with my wife of just being like I kind of have like the cliff notes of like how I felt and like what the you know what happened in the movie and things like that but to articulate how I was feeling I was like I just I, when I don't like something I just kind of like wipe it it's just like I only have so much hard drive space and I don't want right. I don't want to hold that for things that I don't like so I just move on from it um, but it is interesting when you bring up like best films of the year and when people, I love that everything's subjective and I, I really do. And like, I hate when, you know, you want to uh, disagree with people. You want to have interesting conversations and hear other people's perspectives. And I am curious because for someone who thought the movie was very one note um, to find someone who, who finds a lot of detail or, or nuance or, or meaning in, in different little things in the movie is interesting um, because I, I found it very like, oh, talented person does shitty things. And, and that was and it. And we right? accept it because and they are talented. That's what I mean. Put the art yeah. before the artist. That's the, what I thought the thesis of the movie was. Or and let then the I artist just, get away with um, it because of the art. 
that's putting the art before the artist, right? That's exactly what that is. Is just so to me that thesis statement. I didn't get much nuance there. It was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> but I'm interested. It's it's fascinating, right? When you're you feel so differently uh, than someone else to get their side of things, and I think everyone should go in with an open mind when you're talking to someone and don't take it personally, right? Like if you don't agree with someone, it's totally fine. It's yeah, they're like, not offending it's, you. It's, it's all not subjective. Like you didn't make the movie, yeah. or uh, you didn't make the movie. You have no personal like. Again, it. it yeah, just because you're trying to say why you didn't think it worked uh, doesn't mean you're trying to insult the other person who did and vice versa. So, and I think that can, yeah, everyone's guilty of it. You know, you get passionate about something and you start to get a little heated in a debate with someone, but um, the, try to The try only to thing I will argue though with, with you on that is that I think Tar had more of an effect on you, even if you don't remember it or don't want to remember it, then say something like the 355. Oh no. And I brought this up to Nevis. I said, I said the exact same thing to her where I said, I'll take something that I really don't like over something. I have no thoughts on at all. Right. And, and tar, I still remember tar. I'm just kind of, I'm sort of being facetious in, in the sense that I didn't like it. So I erased it from my memory, but like, um, there are those certain movies where you just don't remember anything. You don't even remember how you feel about them. Right. Because they are just so middle of the road that, um, you forgot they even existed where I'm not going to forget that tar existed. Right. Like I remember how I felt sitting through that screening and how much I, uh, it was a struggle for me to get through it and how much I didn't like it. And, and, and I had something to say in our review because of that. Um, and I'll take those movies, you know, maybe I would have liked it to not be two, two hours and 40 minutes, but I'll take those movies over, over something that's just forgettable any day of the week. So I completely agree with you there. Yeah. At least I had a, a strong opinion on it, right? The movies where you just go, I don't really have anything to say about this is kind of like, and those movies to write might, this review quickly are all forget. <laughs> those movies. You might give a better score, which scores are who cares anyway. It's just a number or a star rating, but like I might give something a, a two and a half or a three that I technically gave a better rating to than tar, but tar is more interesting in air quotes because I gave it a one. Um, because I, it, it at least it was memorable to me because it was a one, right? And because I really didn't like it rather than that movie, I gave a three where I'm like, ah, oh, it was fine. And I don't really have anything to say. Any Ron Howard movie, <laughs> pick them out of a hat. So, <laughs> could you imagine I, Ron Howard's tar? <laughs> be the most vanilla ass fucking thing. Like, as much as I want, I'd say, what did, what was Todd Field trying to say? Um, in a Ron Howard movie, you'd be like, Okay, I see what he's saying, but who gives a shit? Um, right. Where or this yeah. is so sad. Like you know, I was thinking about this because we both didn't love the whale, although we didn't hate it either the way no. that some people are. But I was thinking, okay, Darren Aronofsky wasn't the right choice. Probably, probably my least favorite DA movie, though. Yeah, <laughs> Darren Aron- DA Darren Aronofsky, District Attorney. Um, <laughs> Darren Aronofsky, I don't think was probably the right choice for that as a director, but I can also see the Ron Howard version of the right. whale and think that that's just as bad or even, even worse. more offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, you know, and before we move off tar and you can just finish with a quick hits of your, your last couple or whatever, 
the ending, not saying what the ending is, but this was a, a, a debate with Nevis and I, is it looking down on that type of um, art, I guess, or is it the character? Like, is it saying like this character would be looking down at that and it's a, you know, a fall from grace for her because she has to do that or how do you interpret do you know what i mean i don't want to give it away yeah. i guess like do you well, think the movie because i go is the movie going like look what she has to do now um like in kind of poking fun at that genre and that art form or is it because of the movie how it portrays the character that that character would believe that look at what i have what i have to resort to now um, but it's not necessarily a movie or Todd Field saying that. Yeah, because it because it, it is. And you know very... someone who I who cares about that art form that I go is it poo pooing on it or is it is it not? I think both are valid, but I think there's a third one as well. I think okay, and the one that I kind of think I'm closest to is that it's the most apathetic one where it's like, ultimately mm -hmm. no one cares. Mm -hmm. Like nobody cares about like outside your own little bubble, outside your own world, a job's a job. Right. And, and nobody cares that it's this person doing this or that these people are listening to this person doing this. It's just, you're, you're still doing it. You right. know, whether that's good or bad, even you know, if you had still, to, yeah, you're still doing it in some capacity, but ultimately nobody cares like no like the people that are watching her perform at the end probably don't care who it is or don't know who, who, it is. who she is yeah yeah and it's the same thing with movie making right like it's the same thing with filmmaking we we talk about this all the time with like if you go up to somebody and say like right. can you name a film director people will maybe say we put Spielberg. so much weight on to who directed yeah. a movie where most people aren't even going to know who directed it or care. we're outside of the industry without outside of press outside of critics Nobody gives a shit. People, in nobody does. I, I'm yeah. sound, now sounding like James Cameron. No one gives a shit, and they yeah, don't. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's kind of what that ending is. I don't think it's necessarily good or bad. I think, you but can you can interpret, interpret it any any three of yeah. those ways, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I get that. Cool. We'll talk more uh, with uh, trying to spoil it for people. But okay, yeah. rapid fire. Uh, anything else you want to highlight? Yeah, I just want to say that Domi She's Turning Red is a it's great. It's fantastic. Um, an amazing film because it is so subversive to the point where I kept forgetting that it is a Disney Pixar film. I know. I like, think I I, that would be my 15th movie. I'm calling it right now. Yeah, because I kept like I was looking at my I was just like, it's like, oh, you know, I got Marcel the shell with shoes on. I'm I'm going to be the contrarian and not, you know, I'm going to rebel against the Disney movie. Yeah. And I also have Turning Red, which is not a Disney movie, but it's like <laughs> it is a Disney movie, but it's not a Disney movie because like what it's doing feels like it's moving, you know, away. It's 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 obviously lovingly doing it, but it's moving away from, you know, traditional fare, you know, and trying to do something new within the Pixar realm. And it kind of felt like the freshest Pixar movie in we were robbed from seeing it in a theater yeah robbed maybe that's what bob Iger will do he'll go every pixar movie in a theater moving forward we're not just gonna throw it on disney plus although that is kind of hopefully what Iger does with creatives because he's got a good rep with them that like we talked a little bit about like well what does it really do when you bring in a ceo or what does a ceo really do um I don't know if in the Iger era we would have seen Pixar movies on Disney Plus. I don't know, but um, I'm glad now. I hope it gets like a re-release or something. Maybe Lightbox does a 
Toronto films kind of thing. And we get to see it at Lightbox once or something. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that kind of sucks because like, like this, again, this is entitlement coming into play, you know, being critics choice members, you know, there, there have been screenings for turning red in LA and New York. In and it's theaters, like, yeah. That's the one time it was like, man, I really do wish I lived in LA or I was at like the scheduling worked for one of the trips that we took. And, and like, that's one of those movies where it's like, it really, I think would benefit from watching it on a big screen. And, and maybe there's also a little bit of, um, bias towards it because of the the toronto aspect but it it really does feel like it was kind of pushing the storytelling in a way that was very fresh and fun and um oh no oh no i forgot a movie on my list (laughs) too late now too late now damn it what's the uh, 21 honorable mention David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. I think that that is a very good movie. And like in terms of like having a great sort of representation of a body of work, pun intended, because he is the body horror guy. It's not necessarily the first movie I would show you to represent David Cronenberg, but it is one that gives you a sense of everything that he represents. It has a place on an Eric list for sure. Like, oh, that's always. Like... I mean, I love it so much that I've already pre-ordered it on 4K. So and I already have got to get so. that that body horror on 4k um anything else you want to kind of no let's go let's get to the end so i don't change anything you'll change it again but once you you can submit your 15 or 14 to me and i'll make a nice little graphic and then uh um you know there's obviously even on mine like there were some stuff that i had to leave off for for you know jackass forever would be one of those movies that i would uh uh, put in an honorable mention like if i'm doing like a almost like a best of 20 like 25 best films or something like that uh triangle of sadness i really liked fablemans which is faded but still a great movie um things like that so um surprise did you have fablemans on your list either no yeah. see it's both kind of faded from both yeah. of us the the faded fatal fate f- f- um before we uh, wrap, I want to read something that was funny that popped up in my Twitter feed before we go. Um, this is from, I don't know, it's spreading online right now, but this is one take news that tweeted this. According to several Warner executives, Dwayne Johnson and his team purposefully leaked a financial sheet filled with false assumptions to deadline to make it seem like Black Adam was a financial success. Um <laughs> That's allegedly, but I just, why I read that is because this, the first tweet on that is made me laugh a lot was, can you smell what the rock is cooking? It's the books. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. Um, oh, that story is, is hilarious and wild, but, um, I don't know if this is true. This is just a tweet that came across my feed, but I just thought that follow-up tweet of, can you smell what the rock is cooking? The books is really, really funny. What yeah, a year. Black Adam this is was the year of Black Adam. If you want to spin it any way um, you can. Oh, The Rock. Um, oh, The Rock. Um, the, the year of Black Adam. The year of the Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, fiasco. What other big news stories um, this year? I don't know. But the Black Adam one triggered the uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, I never remember news stories because like, it just, it's I the, need... it is the definition of recency bias where it's like the, the most current thing you'll remember, but kind of what defined the year, unless it was truly impactful in a way that kind of 
you'll still be thinking about even after the year is over. Um, yeah, there wasn't really anything. I mean, I'm sure there is. I'm sure someone's screaming in our, you know, their their ear pods right now, being like, it's this, it's this. But it's like, I can't think of like any big shakeup. I'm sure there was, but even just outside of film, like in general, you know, sometimes it's nice not to have anything. I mean, there are the the Batgirl one is, is, is a big one, right? Like, which also, no, we're just talking about movie stuff. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I wouldn't know any real news. We don't talk about on this show. Um, but yeah, next week I'm excited for, um, our most anticipated films, of 2023 that should be fun we're still trying to figure out how we want to do it sometimes we come in with a prepared list where eric and i uh talk beforehand and kind of put our untitled list that we want to put out this time we're like do we debate it on the podcast to try to win over one another to try to get a movie like saw x on the list um, get out of here. <laughs> or when I got Super Mario on the list, which looks to me is paying off because I can't fucking wait. Eric, you don't even know how many times I've watched uh, the Super Mario Brothers trailer and that clip that they did at the Game Awards, which we'll talk about next week. Um, I don't want to know, man. I, I don't want to know. Can't wait. Uh, you know, this week seems like a big one because Avatar, because like they're releasing Oppenheimer um images so we're probably going to get another oppenheimer trailer i know there's a mission impossible ghost uh, not ghost protocol dead reckoning part one uh imax thing that's attached to avatar as well so maybe we'll get another thing from that um spider verse uh other things will all these movies make our list you'll have to see um but i'm excited to do that episode as well but it's been a fun year my friend um always a pleasure i can't believe we've been doing this show for half a decade yep. can you almost as long as it took to make avatar 2 because wasn't it 2018 2017 2017 when we started yeah. right i think so so it's been i mean we've like, been doing we've been doing this longer obviously sure but forms, i mean this so. show right like we've been doing this for almost a decade or, or more but um this show already being five years old or something like that coming up in august of next year yep. um is going to be crazy but most of that has been like you i forget that the you know pandemic's been three and a half years or whatever three years four years oh, <sighs> i mean it's still going on too like it's not oh, like it yeah. hasn't left it's just that we've we that's we why it's a continuous count now. yeah yeah um but if you guys want to see my favorite both- sesame street character <laughs> continuous count um is it the count's brother yeah. uh, um, count. so if you guys want to see uh both eric and i's full lists uh i'll put them up on the untitled movie podcast uh letterboxd uh, i'll so edit to 14 can, um sure um and then uh whatever those lists can be whatever you want them to Actually, yeah, I'll do them alphabetical. We'll put both these same lists. We'll tweet these out. We'll put them on socials, all that kind of stuff. But the one-stop shop for everything, head over to Letterbox, which is untitled underscore movies. Um, it's there on all social medias as well. And you can follow me at Matt Rohrbeck. And you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Uh, until next time. It's Morbin time. Magic Mike's not until next year. (laughs) 